Welcome to the second season of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcast taken from four volumes in defense of Christianity written by Ronald Keith Messer are now broadcast on weekdays. Podcast 20 of Season 2 is entitled The Dirac Equation. Ron, will you explain to our listeners what the Dirac Equation is and why it is so important? Gladly, but first let me say the obvious. I am not a scientist. Except for basic arithmetic, I am terrible at math. I am a fairly good reader with eclectic habits, and that is about the extent of it. I am far more comfortable talking about Mark Twain or William Shakespeare or the Bible than I am talking about the mysterious world of quantum mechanics or special relativity. I can only speak in layman's terms. I will stumble through the definition in a little while, but I am primarily interested in the implications of the Dirac equation as it relates to intelligent design. Before continuing this podcast, let me assert here ten fundamental assumptions that govern all creations. These assumptions must be true or creation could never occur. Furthermore, any philosophy, scientific or otherwise, that contradicts these ten primary assumptions is false. Everything is made of matter. Assumption 2. Matter and energy self-exist and cannot be created or destroyed. Assumption 3. There is no such thing as something from nothing, which also means something can never be made from nothing. Assumption 4. There is no such thing as a vacuum. All space is filled. Assumption 5. Everything that is created is organized from self-existing matter. Assumption 6. There is no such thing as chance, luck, accident, or coincidence regarding creation. Assumption 7. Everything is organized by law. Assumption 8. Everything is governed by law, protected by law, preserved by law, and, regarding spiritual things, sanctified by law. Assumption 9. Everything is created by intelligent design. Assumption 10. The intelligent designer is God. Any deviation from the ten primary assumptions above will lead to false conclusions. Let me add here a caution to Christians who are having their faith in God challenged by science. A principle of science can be true, the theory of evolution, for example, or the Big Bang Theory. But the conclusions made by scientific theorists about those principles concerning the origins of life, or the origins of the universe, or the existence of God, may be entirely false. We must distinguish among fact, inference, opinion, and judgment. Theorists often present their opinions as fact simply because they claim a scientific basis for their conclusions. An example of this is a popular book entitled The God Delusion by Mr. Richard Dawkins. It pretends to prove that God does not exist by appealing to scientific theories. Having read it four times, applying the rules of logic, let me say with confidence that I have never read a book more filled with logical fallacies than The God Delusion. Science will never prove nor disprove the existence of God. However, what true science does beautifully is to prove that everything God does, He does by law. God is a God of order. We live in an orderly universe governed by law. Scientists would do well to simply stick with law and leave God out of it. Every sphere is governed by a complete set of laws organized by God to act independently. You may discover the laws of God through inductive and deductive reasoning, but you can only discover God by faith. He remains invisible to those who refuse to see Him. 
God gave us a mind so that he may reveal his mysteries. He gave us a heart that he may reveal his secrets. He gave us ears that we may hear the word of God. He gave us eyes that we may see his beautiful creations. He gave us his spirit that we may comprehend him. To understand God, we must use all our senses. In this podcast, I would like to draw your attention to an amazing principle of science called the Dirac Equation. What began as a theory was soon proven to be true. Paul Dirac, awarded the Nobel Prize for Physics at age 31, predicted the existence of the positron, or first antiparticle, also called antimatter, which is identical to the electron, only with a positive charge. It was like predicting the existence of ghosts and then proving it. The positron made up half the matter of the universe. In other words, an invisible world mirrors the visible world. In the visible world, protons, neutrons, and electrons combine to form atoms, called matter. Dirac predicted that those had a mirror image, but with a different electric charge that combined to form antimatter. Dirac combined quantum mechanics with special relativity. The electron has a negative charge. The positron is a particle with a positive charge that acts like an electron. When they meet, they annihilate each other. Their energy released is light. The implications of that are astonishing because unless something intervenes, we can never have a solid universe. In other words, planets, moons, suns, stars, galaxies could never form. That poses an enormous problem for science because we do have planets, moons, suns, stars, and galaxies. Why? Science has been trying to answer that question for decades, and the best answer they have come up with is luck, or chance, or accident, or coincidence. That is not very convincing. Even the great Paul Dirac appears to have evolved in his religious beliefs. From a vocal atheist to a more humble reverence, in an article that appeared in the May 1963 edition of Scientific American, Professor Dirac said, quote, It seems to be one of the fundamental features of nature that fundamental physical laws are described in terms of a mathematical theory of great beauty and power, needing quite a high standard of mathematics for one to understand it. You may wonder, why is nature constructed along these lines? One can only answer that our present knowledge seems to show that nature is so constructed. We simply have to accept it. One could perhaps describe the situation by saying that God is a mathematician of a very high order, and he used very advanced mathematics in constructing the universe. Our feeble attempts at mathematics enable us to understand a bit of the universe, and as we proceed to develop higher and higher mathematics, we can hope to understand the universe better." Unquote. That is probably as close as you will get to a scientist's admission of intelligent design. I do adamantly disagree, however, that God used mathematics to create the universe. God uses laws to create the universe. Mathematics is a language. It is an invention of man to describe the universe, nothing more. Math is to a scientist what paint and brush are to an artist. They are tools artists use to paint the universe. Both are elegant in design. To a scientist, a perfect equation, such as the Dirac equation, is an elegant work of art on the same level as the works of da Vinci or Rembrandt or Michelangelo. Let me remind scientists and all other artists that the only reason there is science or art is because there is perfect order in the universe. All great artists seek to perfect their language. They don't create worlds, they reveal truth. Truth cannot be created, truth must be discovered. 
The only real art is that which reveals the nature of God. All else is fiction. With that said, in this podcast, if you're still listening, the Dirac equation, in my opinion, validates the assumptions above and contradicts the opinion of some theorists that the universe was created by chance from nothing. If the Dirac equation is true, if matter and antimatter, or electron and positron in a cosmic act of self-annihilation, creation and destruction, prevent the formation of worlds, what power interrupted that destruction and created order out of chaos? For me, the Dirac equation describes chaos. Law alone brings order out of chaos, and law alone preserves, protects, and perfects that order. Under Newton's laws, we understand that matter and energy self-exist, that they cannot be created or destroyed. The Dirac equation sustains that universal truth and adds that far from being empty, the universe is filled on the microscopic level with matter and energy. There's enough matter in the universe for creation to go on forever without depleting its resources. That sustains the Christian principle that the creations of God are endless, for there is an endless source of matter and energy. The Dirac equation is also exciting because it proves that there is no such thing as a vacuum, that matter and energy fill all space. It also proves that on the fundamental level of matter and energy, there must be opposition. Opposition is necessary in all things, including matter and antimatter. Opposition is required not only in the fundamental matter that is used to create the cosmos, but opposition is required in all living things, both in the temporal world and in the spiritual world. Hence, good and evil, God and Satan, mortality and immortality. Without opposition, there can be no life, no creation, no cosmos, no God, nothing. At the very foundation of science, opposition is operative in a constant state of creation and destruction. It is the center of chaos. At the very foundation of Christianity is a belief in the necessity of opposition in the existence of all life forms. Without opposition, everything would appear as dead. If there is a temporal world, there must also be a spiritual world. If there is mortality, there must also be immortality. If there is a world with entropy, there must also be a world without entropy. If there is a universe of destruction as described in the Dirac equation, there must also be a world of order. That is what the Dirac principle teaches me. Christianity teaches that we have both a spirit and a body, one mortal, the other immortal. The resurrection combines the immortal spirit to an immortal body, making death no longer possible. It is the Apostle Paul who said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The second line is even more revealing. The sting of death is sin. In other words, physical death is no longer possible, but spiritual death is. Spiritual death, called the second death by John the Revelator, means to be cut off from the presence of God. In other words, one still lives, but he lives in a different kingdom, which is the subject of Paul's discourse. The line ends with the clause, and the strength of sin is the law. In other words, the law of justice requires full payment of those who do not call upon the tender mercies of Christ. There are temporal laws and spiritual laws. Both are subject to the principle of causality. In addition, the Dirac equation is exciting because it proves without doubt that the universe could not be created by accident. Unless acted upon by a superior force, it would remain forever in a state of chaos, a state of creation and destruction, a state of maximum equilibrium. 
Science seeks to understand how, given the reality of the Dirac equation, order could ever come out of such disorder, creation out of chaos. Can you guess their conclusion? Don't look too far, because with theorists, when they're in a bind, it always falls back on chance or accident. What is more astonishing, they even arbitrarily assign a probability to something coming from nothing. Considering how meticulous science is on almost everything, it is very strange that they will settle for chance on the most important issues facing man, such as where did the universe come from and where did we come from. Intelligent design and a governing set of laws is the only answer to how the cosmos was created. Power overcome by a greater power. Force by a greater force. It would take an enormous force to stop the act of destruction. Furthermore, that which creates order out of chaos must continue to assert authority. In other words, it must protect, preserve, and perfect that order, or matter and energy will return to chaos. Science understands entropy from the laws of thermodynamics. The four forces of nature, strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, electromagnetic force, and gravity cannot explain the creation of worlds. The first three forces fall under the Dirac equation. Dirac was interested in the behavior of very small particles traveling near the speed of light. Worlds must be solid. They could never form by using only the first three forces active during the Big Bang. Gravity is responsible for the evolution of stars and planets. However, to gravity the subatomic world is invisible. In other words, only the strong nuclear force the weak nuclear force and the electromagnetic force can operate with subatomic particles. Clumps of matter and energy must form before gravity can do its thing. What causes those clumps to form? The answer that science offers contradicts Dirac's principle. Science claims that in every billion annihilations of matter and antimatter, matter escapes and galaxies are formed. It goes beyond the laws of probability. That is like saying that every billion times water runs downhill, it suddenly and inexplicably runs uphill, violating the law of gravity. That number is bogus. It is made up. Rather than search for another force, science pulls another rabbit out of a hat and produces strange fluctuations, all by accident. The fact is that there is no real scientific explanation for the strange clumping of matter. Luck just fills a gap because science doesn't yet understand how it occurred. They present luck as fact. The only reason they don't use the word miracle is because it suggests the existence of God. On the one hand, they discover these amazing laws for which we offer Nobel Prizes, but when push comes to shove, science must deny the absolute nature of law and reduce the entire creation of the universe to chance. It is clear to everyone that intelligent design exists. Dirac thinks that God is a great mathematician. Science admits that even a slight variation in the conditions that make life possible would destroy all life. If certain constants didn't exist, science tells us, life could not occur, yet those constants do exist. It is against all the laws of probability that life on earth occurred by accident. Yet science will only admit that it has the appearance of intelligent design. The reason science does not have a unified theory is because they cannot connect gravity to the first three forces. Even after the first clumping of matter mysteriously occurred, it took gravity millions of years to get its act together. Another dilemma of science is where do laws come from? There's no logical explanation for the existence of law, 
any more than there is a logical explanation for the existence of constants. The dilemma of science continues. In fact, science has a long list of what-ifs, which, if any one of them didn't exist, life couldn't exist. What answer does science provide? Again, accident. It is the gap between the first three forces and gravity that causes science to rely upon chance, something from nothing, and the anthropic principle. It is a cosmic non-sequitur. Obviously, there is another force besides the four forces of nature discovered by science. Only law can close the gap between the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, the electromagnetic force, and gravity. Something must account for the moment when maximum equilibrium is overpowered and atoms begin to form into molecules and molecules into worlds. Every step must be governed by law. There can be no exceptions. It is a common sense rule that if two galaxies or universes are alike, they must be governed by the same set of laws. In other words, if we find another Earth like ours, then all the laws of our world will apply to that other Earth. Any variation among stars or galaxies or planets means a variation of laws. According to the ten assumptions above, there must be a complete set of laws acting independently that govern all spheres. The end of mortal science will always be paradox, because unlike the Dirac equation, they cannot make the transition into the spiritual or invisible realm. Do not ever think that science does not believe in miracles, for their explanation of the origins of the universe is a miracle on the scale of any miracles claimed by Christians. In science, something must come from nothing which is a miracle even God cannot pull off, but science thinks such accidents can happen. There's a principle that all science and all Christians must accept, and that is that everything is governed by a complete set of laws, even miracles. Nothing can happen by chance, accident, or by the whims of an invisible God. God uses law. God is God because he can organize laws to create worlds, form miracles, create man, and govern his infinite kingdoms. It is law that gives him his omnipotence. Understand law, and you will understand God. There is a temporal realm, or as science has shown, many temporal realms, all governed by law. There is a spiritual realm, or as Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, many spiritual realms, all governed by law. I will add another assumption to the top ten above, and it is this. All realms or kingdoms or worlds, both spiritual and temporal, are governed by a complete set of laws, and those laws are governed by a single law or single set of laws and operate under one great whole. The more science learns, as supported by the Dirac equation, the more we will see that intelligent design encompasses all dimensions, and what we see in this mortal world is merely a type and shadow of what we will see in the immortal world, and we will find that at the center of all is God. He is the architect of all creation and all creation is done by intelligent design, or there is no God at all. And as Mark Twain said in his short story, The Mysterious Stranger, life is only a dream. Let me quote the conclusion of Twain's Mysterious Stranger. Keep in mind that it is Satan who is speaking. Quote, You perceive now that these things are all impossible except in a dream. You perceive that they are pure and puerile insanities the silly creations of an imagination that is not conscious of its freaks. In a word, that they are a dream, and you the maker of it. The dream marks are all present. You should have recognized them earlier. It is true, that which I have revealed to you, there is no God. 
no universe, no human race, no earthly life, no heaven, no hell. It is all a dream, a grotesque and foolish dream. Nothing exists but you, and you are but a thought, a vagrant thought, a useless thought, a homeless thought, wandering forlorn among the empty eternities. He vanished and left me appalled, for I knew and realized that all he had said was true. Unquote. May I remind you that Twain is the quintessential satirist. What he says and what he means are often two different things. Using a phrase from, I think, Alexander Pope, author of Essay on Man, the best kind of satire is when you cut a man's head off and he doesn't know it until he moves. Twain was a master of juvenilian satire. It is not clear whether Twain is mocking the current philosophy of his day, the popular views of science, or religion, or all three. Just remember that it is Satan who is speaking, and Satan was a liar from the beginning. However, a dream world is the world that modern science would have us believe in. Their world begins with a big bang and ends with a giant heat death, and then nothing. And it may or may not start all over again by chance, or luck, or accident, or coincidence. Science even assigns an age to the universe, 14 billion years. 14 billion years may or may not be the age of a cluster of galaxies, but it is not the age of the vast universe. It has no beginning and will have no end. Just as matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, neither can intelligent life. Only Satan would tell you that we came from nothing and that we will return to nothing. If there is one world like Earth, it logically follows that there are many other worlds like Earth. If there is one civilization like man in the cosmos, it logically follows that there are many other civilizations like man in the cosmos. Why? Because the law allows it. The vast universe accommodates it, and God governs it. The great God Almighty is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Who can limit God? And man, the apex of creation, is the offspring of God. To estimate man is to underestimate him. In the words of the psalmist, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at ronaldmesser.com.